You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week, we are going to... Well, this week and the next two weeks after this, we're going to be going on a journey of cyberpunkness. So, uh... It's your kids! We've got to go back to the future! (laughs) All right, Chris Lloyd snuck into our studio again. It's tough. All these celebrities visit us, right? It's true. It gets difficult to put out a quality product for you. Every week when all these celebs just decide they want to pop in and say something. Luckily, it's just their catchphrases. Cause, uh, yeah, that's where the talent is. <laughs> I mean, that is luck. I mean, I hope we don't have to pay like anybody for saying them or anything like that. But here we go. Uh, yeah, cyberpunk. We're doing some cyberpunk stuff. Uh, you might know that there is a video game that's coming out that has to do all with cyberpunk. Well, we're going to talk about cyberpunk characters in the in the comic books, and this week our character is very much a uh, cyberpunk esque character in the Marvel universe. One Miguel O'Hara. If you aren't familiar with the character, you might have just seen him in the Spider Man Into the Spider Verse uh, movie. Very yep. end, if you stayed around for after the credits. Yep, that's right. We're going to be uh, talking about it's funny when you think about it for he was a character born back in 1992. He's still going to have his future right ahead of him in the year 2099. As you mentioned before, Secret Identity Miguel O'Hara. So, yep, we're going to talk about the classy Spider-Man 2099. All right. But before we get into our breakdown of Spider-Man 2099, let's get on to that spinner rack and see what is new on these new comic book days. All right, so we are uh, we are post shopping and we're looking for more ways to spend our money. We'll definitely take some of that cash and go on over to your local comic shop. So on December first, Tuesday, DC Comics will be throwing some books at you. Uh, they will have Batman issue one hundred and four, which will continue on with James Tynion the fourth. Uh, this next one is the big one that a lot of people have been waiting on. So we are talking. Batman Catwoman number one. That's right. Um, Tom King is back in the cowl again, and we're going to see what he is going to say about Batman, Bruce and Selena's relationship in a who knows what counts DC universe. Um, I know you definitely, you read some of Tom King's uh, Batman reborn run, correct? So is this definitely something that you're excited and hyped about? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be interesting because he gets to to go further with those characters after he did so much with uh with them leading up to the Bat Cat wedding, and uh, we saw how that ended up. So why not see more about what he has to do with them? Yeah, no, I'm definitely very uh, intrigued to see how he uh, how he'll end his Batman run essentially. Um, so I know it kind of got cut short there with scheduling and, and things like that, but I am very excited to see what he's going to 
uh, say what his last thoughts are on that relationship. Uh, let's see. We also have continuing on the Batman side of things. We have Batman. The adventures continue issue seven of eight. So in this continuation of Batman, the animated series, we get to see Slade Wilson, Jason Todd, and uh, some other new characters make their appearances in that animated style that we've grown to love. Uh, Batman, in the animated go ahead. style, Slade Wilson in the animated style. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, and luckily, since this is comic books, he won't be as dark as he is normally, but he also won't be as kid-friendly as he would have been if he was on Fox Kids. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get a happy medium in that regard. So, if you were to put a team together that had Deathstroke, Red Hood, uh, Deadshot, Sportsmaster... I don't know. Would you throw a sports master in there? Like, what, 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 oh, he's, he's a he's a good marksman. So yeah, he could he could sit up there. Okay. Uh, what would you call this team? And who else would you throw on there? Oh gosh. Okay. So what? You've got four members, right? Um, so I always like uh, seven. I always feels a great number. So let's see. However, you uh, could you could call the four of them right there just the four horsemen. Ooh. There you go. You already four have horsemen in the in the DC universe. I'm sure somebody's played with it. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been worth remembering, though. <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, sure there was a a cover. You know how they the cover of the book always has like something that looks like a title, but it's not what the actual title of the story is. Oh yeah. Uh, they, they definitely, yeah. Books love to do that, where it's like let's let's bait you, and then you open it up, you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. I, I like that that marksmanship. Um, so let's see who else is who else is very accurate or savvy with weaponry um, and is willing to kill. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Or that's a good add on there too. So wow, you 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 stumped me. I'm running my the numbers in my brain, and I can't picture anybody that is of that caliber. Um, cause like my mind wants to say like Cassandra Kane, but I definitely say she's probably done with those dark days of hers. So she's probably more on the redemptive path and wanting to stay there. What, um, if, what about on the lesser, like prominent scale, like crimson Avenger? Ooh, okay. I guess that, that definitely is a, a name that you could take, take on and put to that group. Uh, so that's not too bad. That, that, that helps fill the gap. So definitely the crimson Avenger, um, let's see. What else do we have? The vigilante. Yeah, there's a good one. Adrian chase. Adrian chase. Uh, he'll be making a comeback here pretty soon too. Um, so was that six now? Keep Ooh. going, Mitch. You got this. <laughs> you, you throw in Merlin. Oh, Merlin. That's right. The, uh, the evil green arrow wannabe. Yeah, there you go. I almost, part of me almost wanted to toss in guy Gardner. And he would just, he'd be more or less their handler. Because <laughs> he has the right attitude to deal with them, but he's not going to sink to their low. <laughs> but he might question it. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. All right. I just, I, I don't know. You said, you said Red Hood and, and, and Slade Wilson together. I was like, hmm, that'd be an interesting team to start. Well, there you go. You could you could even play, you know, get a couple more. And if you keep it Gotham themed, you can call them the Dark Knights, you know. Ooh. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, let's see. Uh, continuing on with our spinner racks. So uh, death metal is going to be coming at you. We've got Dark Knight's death metal, the secret origin number one. So this is going to be a big one. And especially if you're a fan of Gary Frank art, because there's going to be three um, unshots. Uh, the Secret Origin, The Last Stories of the DC Universe, and The Last 52 War of the Multiverse. Those three will feature the uh, uh, cover art with connecting covers by Gary Frank that kind of show, I want to say, like a Golden Age JSA, a Silver Age JLA, and then a very 80s superhero set. So if you want to pick up that, that's definitely going to be the first part of that Tripti Arc cover there. Do you have... How do you feel about connecting covers? You know, it's tough because like, I I, I think they're neat. um, But at the same time, like that one's such a weird set of covers because to me, I can tell that's recycled art and I'm not saying recycled art as in it's something that he already painted. I think it's recycled art as in it's something he already got paid for and they just don't know what to do and they're like oh hey let's do it here uh but i do love comics that have themes i just wish that like frame companies would do a better job of having it so you could like buy frames and hang them up yourself you know because anytime i find uh comic book art that's worth framing they usually have these big borders around it and you're like ah, but that sucks because i wanted it to connect to another cover or something to that effect that's fair. But I always do. I love when they do put them together. Uh, well, let's see. Okay, moving along. We've got, if you want to save some money, these come on the cheaper end. DC Classics, the Batman Adventures number seven will be out. So that will definitely be collecting some of the uh, original Batman the Animated Series tales. Uh, Deceased Dead Planet number six will be out as well, which has been a great series so far. I cannot say enough very positive things about that book, so I would definitely put that on your radar. Um, This is definitely going to be a book to keep an eye out because of the new ideas for Future State. Uh, But Far Sector will be at issue number nine on that 12-issue series. And as we know, uh, Green Lantern Joe... Oh, I can't think of her last name, but she will definitely be uh, featured in this futuristic DC universe. Uh, Justice League Endless Winter number one will be out, and that will co- that will be the beginning of a sort of fifth week event that really? DC Comics will be practicing. Yeah, um, I'm excited that they're doing this. It's definitely filler just because the DC universe doesn't know where it stands right now. But um, yeah, we're going to be treated to um, this story arc endless winter and it's gonna like black adam's gonna be a big part of it uh the justice league wonder woman uh all kinds of exciting stuff that's gonna be in there so if i remember correctly they should be having a uh, shoe a week so if you want to get to see the uh, justice league in a cold viking scenario i would definitely say pick this up so yeah it's uh the premises a thousand years ago, a desperate group of heroes, Hippolyta, Black Adam, Swamp Thing, and the Viking Prince, branded together, banded together to prevent the world from freezing at the hands of the Frost King, an exiled Norse god. So yeah, it'll be uh, Justice League Endless Winter number one. We'll kick it off, uh, which will then bounce to Flash 767, then a Superman Endless Winter special, and to Aquaman 66. Justice League 58, Teen Titans Endless Winter Special Number 1, Justice League Dark 29, 
Black Adam Endless Winter Special number one, and then concluding in Justice League Endless Winter Special number two. Um, if I remember correctly, I think, uh, yeah, uh, Ron Mars and Andy Lanning will actually be the uh, writers of these nine store, uh, these nine issues that come together co- to collect the series in itself. Okay, so yeah, uh, looking at some of the art that I, I found online for that, I mean, it's got a lot of elements of like <laughs> Thor, and then also what was it, Avengers. 1 billion BC or whatever it was called. Oh yeah, definitely. It looks like it's going to scream a little bit of some of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, I love that Michael Jalen art. Don't get me wrong. Those covers are beautiful, but yeah, this definitely feels like it's like, Oh, uh, well, yeah, we could have our own prehistoric, uh, uh, JLA if we wanted to. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's thousand years. Out. <laughs> it makes sense because like, yeah, Hippolyta would have been the Wonder Woman at that time. Black Adam still exists because he's always he's been around for a while. Swamp Thing is a elemental, so that would be around then too. Like when do, well, how do you pick the the characters that would have been around? Like uh who else in the DC universe would have been around? Oh, Vandal Savage, uh Rachel Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could definitely you could definitely fight for those. There's always the argument for uh, legacy heroes. You know, like I know they've toyed with the idea that we saw the blue beetle scarab back in ancient Egyptian days. So you could have like a you know a beetle from that era. Doctor Fate would probably definitely be a safe bet. Phantom Stranger, yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of characters to play with. But I do find it funny with the group that they picked. You know, it's like oh okay, well. That's mighty convenient. Black Adams, that, he's definitely up there, but you know, he's also a great character to tell stories with. So it'll be exciting to see this new uh, chapter that's in his life that took place back in the day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we we need to get as many Black Adams stories out there as we can before the the movie ever comes out. <laughs> yep, yep. Shiny <laughs> right. Knight was a part of that. It kind of looked like it. I was looking at the art, but they said Viking Prince. But yeah, oh. definitely the costume design made me think uh, Shining Knight as well. And I figured he was going to get a little bit of a popularity boost due to the uh, the Star Girl show. So That's that would have been yeah. interesting to have him play along. So in the yeah. I might I might look into that. I I, mean, I don't know. It doesn't quite scream out to me as something that I'm interested in. But I've always liked those fi- fifth week events, even though this isn't technically a fifth week event. Yeah, well, I, I I hope I hope it does good because I do I I really miss those 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 fifth week events were exciting they definitely helped make a month go a little bit faster in a positive way so I hope it I hope it does well uh, let's see well spinning along uh, we've got Strange Adventures number seven will be out collecting the are containing the crazy maybe they're real maybe they're fake adventures of of Adam Strange as he's going on his wildness there and then lastly. We've got, this is going to be an interesting one, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Wonder Woman, War of the Gods. Um, I know I'm a little bit invested in this one because when I was a kid, this was actually my first event. Oh. Um, I remember picking up War of the Gods issues one and two at the Smith's grocery store back in the day. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely very... Uh, it's a nostalgic rush for me, so I'm excited to see uh, what they will do to twist it to make it happen. 
and just to have a shameless plug of my own. <laughs> so I do. I love these dark multiverse tales. I think it's great because, you know, obviously you and I love, you know, print turn of events. Hence why we do this show. Um, but I pitched that or not pitched it, but I threw that idea out there. And I know Dan Jurgens liked it. Uh, so I hope someday it happens, but I would love to see tales from the dark multiverse Armageddon 2001. Wow. I think that would be so neat just because you could take Captain Adam and this time, yeah, hey, let's have it be that he should have been monarch. And I'd love to see what should have happened. And that way we could, you know, get a play with there. And plus, it's a win win for me because I love Captain Adam. I think he's a great hero. Okay. But anyway, so, yeah, enough of that. Uh, just like my tweets. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Flipping on to the other side of stuff over at Marvel Comics. These will be released December 2nd. Uh, so that'll be Wednesday. So we have Atlantis attacks part five of five. So the, uh, adventures of Namer as a, um, I don't know what you would call him. Not necessarily an anti-hero, but definitely fighting more for the Atlanteans. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this book does in terms of him for his status quo and where he's going to be after those events. Black Widow issue four will be out. And this has been a hot book recently just because Black Widow is actually living a perfect life. She has a husband and she has a kid. And as of Black Widow issue two or three, probably three, uh, Hawkeye and Winter Soldier know about her new life and they have to decide, do we come in and change it for her? Will she be happy discovering that she's not really a homemaker? Instead, she's a widow. So that'll be pretty wild to see how what happens there. You know, uh, oh, go ahead. you again real fast, uh, or for a second, sorry. Um, I always look at Namer, uh, Black Adam, and Sinestro as all kind of being the same, like, archetype, just at different levels. Like, yeah, we always look at Namer as being a hero more often than he is a villain, but he is all about, you know, saving the Atlanteans over anybody else. And then Black Adam, you know, he teeters on both sides more often than not. And then Sinestro, we we deem a villain. But he's all about, you know, bringing order to, uh, what's the name of his planet? Thal? Uh, Krogar. Krogar, sorry. And uh, it's, I mean, does, does that ever feel like the scale to you? Like the, the ladder? Like you start it as, as a namer, you go to be, you become Black Adam, and then eventually you become Sinestro. You live long enough to become the villain. I like that. Uh, it's funny because they all have pointy ears. So there's another connection. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely like that. I, I kind of feel it would, I would probably say, I think you start at Black Adam <clears throat> just because you become a champion of the people. Mm. But then you move on to Namer where you're a king of the people, but also not only just people, but a race. And I know that's kind of a tough one just because even with Kandak, those the Kandakians, but they're definitely their own people. But I would say Atlanteans, you know, you're not just like, you know, because I'm sure they have their own state and continents or however they divvy up their land. But overall you're, you're talking about a whole race. Uh, and then eventually, yeah, you move up to Sinestro where it's like, well, now it's, it's a ruler of a planet. So yeah, you, you know, you definitely start off as a, a champion to a King, to a dictator. And so those are definitely characters that, I preach that story very well. Uh, and then again, you know, what is it? So I know for sure Sinestro's got the pointy mustache. Uh, Namer, he's probably been pretty hairless. He's, he rocked and, the goatee for a while. 
okay. Yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, he even had a strong beard. Um, Black Adam, I think he's probably been facial hairless most of the time. Like so there you go. Not only do they escalate in terms of title, but also in facial hair evilness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You dabble in it at first. First, you're, you're freshly shaven, and then you're deciding to be like, hey, I'll go with a goatee or a, a nice beard, and then all of a sudden I'll I'll get into that nice pencil-thin mustache. So I got my eye on you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> you shave that beard and wear a pencil-thin mustache, I know things are going to get bad here at the uh, the Geekalidia Mediaverse. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> By the power of Mitch! <laughs> We have to make that an acronym superhero name. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's see. Um, so this is exciting for me because last week we got some, so we're getting some more. Daredevil issue 25 will be out as well. So this will be the ramifications of the judge's decision. Uh, like I said, I still haven't had a chance to read these, but I'm speculating that they're probably going to stick Daredevil in jail. So it's going to be real interesting to see uh, what he's going to have to do in order to be a hero while behind bars fantastic four road trip number one will be out a nice one shot featuring them hellions issue seven will be out which continues on with some of the uh x of swords and post x of swords adventure and now here is the big one king in black number one is out uh so this will be a five part series it looks like it'll be released bi-weekly so that'll be every week uh donny cates <laughs> let's check on his facial hair see at what level of madness he's on um but this is it this is the big that he's been building to so uh the solicit reads after a campaign across the galaxy noel's death march across to earth Sorry, Manol's death march arrives to Earth, and worse yet, he hasn't come alone. With an army of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons at his command, the King in Black is a force unlike any Earth's heroes have ever faced. Eddie Brock has first seen firsthand the chaos that even one of Noel's symbiotic monsters can wreck. Uh, will he survive an encounter with the God of the abyss himself? So Donnie Cates has got this crazy story. Ryan Stegman will be the artist behind it. Um, this is definitely a very Marvel universe event because if we look at the basic cover, we have Wolverine Cyclops, uh, so the X-Men are going to be involved, Spider-Man as well, and Captain America, Hulk, and Iron Man featuring some Avengers, and then, of course, Venom taking the center stage with Noel hiding in the back. Who did um, you say that uh, that cover is? The cover artist is Ryan Stegman. Have I, have I seen other stuff with his, his work? Because it looks familiar, but then it also doesn't. Um, I, it does. I think probably like, I know when I see art online and I share it with you, I know he loves to be uh, very active and drawing stuff and posting it. So I think that's probably where you've seen it as to stuff you've read of his. I can't, nothing's really jumping out to my mind. So that's probably how you've seen it in, in bits and doses. <laughs> that's fine. That, that, that makes sense too. Like it's a very, uh, unique looking art, but it also has reminiscence of maybe, um, uh, I mean, maybe it's just to me, but it looks like um, who was the Spider-Man uh artist that I liked for so long? Oh, Humberto Ramos. Yes, Humberto Ramos. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely, I'm looking here at at Ryan Stegman. Uh, he's he's definitely cut his teeth on Spider books. Uh, and now that you point that out, it does. It kind of I could see some influence there from Humberto himself. So yeah. So it looks like uh, it looks like he may have done a run on the Ben. 
or sorry, on the Kane Scarlet Spider, uh, some Carnage and Venom. Uh, I know he was on the main series of Spider-Man, the Uncanny Avengers. I don't know if you were reading that when uh, that had Deadpool and Cable on it. So definitely there, but it looks like he's he's more on the more on the Marvel side of things. I'm not really seeing too much DC work. No, no, I'm not. Oh, it looks like that's true. The Superior Spider Man. I forgot about that. He did some time over there as well. Okay. Uh, back when Doc Ock was was driving the body. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so that's that's going to be the big one right there. The King in Black. So it's finally here. Uh, let's see. We also have. So if you want to get the details, uh, we have coming at us Noel Marvel Tales. Uh, so these are always fun primer books. So if you want to know who this Noel is, because I'll be honest with you, I don't. I I really haven't paid much attention to what it is. Uh, so we will be getting reprints of Venom issues three and four from the 2018 series. Uh, Venom Carnage Born and Venom Issue 25. So these are the big four that they believe should prime us and get us ready for what is Noel. So hold up a second. Um, just a little bit of uh, behind the scenes information. If you don't know yet, after 186 episodes of this show or 186 I- issues of this show, uh, Chris in his secret identity life is a math teacher. Now, I know it's spelled differently, but Noel means something in terms of math, right? Yes. So, yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with uh, what's going on in this comic book? You know, I, I found it very interesting because I was thinking that too, you know, Noel being a, 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 a no value, a zero. Um, it's interesting because <clears throat> like if you think about the symbiotes, I find it funny because they really have any abilities – four no it's the reason why they're very spider-esque is because when the first symbiote bonded to peter parker it picked up his spider powers mm-hmm. um, even as we look at Noel, like i don't know if you can see my screen here with this cover art uh he's definitely got more of a knight look to him um so it'll be interesting because you know with a symbiotic relationship you know you're, you you bond to your host and eventually you take over so is there really anything there? So yeah, you know, does does that null mean there's nothing, and that's why it comes to take? I don't know. Hmm. Um, I, I that's something we'll definitely have to. I'm sure he may have spread that idea somewhere, but if not, that'd be a good one to tweet at Donnie Cates with and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> have to get mathematical on him. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so moving along, we've got Miles Morales Spider-Man issue 21 will be out along with a MODOK head game. So if you want to get some adventures of that creepy little dude, definitely <laughs> check that book out as well. Uh, Savage Adventures number 15 will be out. I can't believe the book has made it that long. I am so surprised <laughs> <laughs> that the idea of having the Avengers and Conan team up was going to do that amazing. Uh, let's see. We've got the union issue one will be out. So here's a five part series. And if I remember correctly, I think this is spinning out of the, uh, King and black, but basically the union is giving us our own British superhero team. Uh, so if I remember correctly, I think union Jack is part of it and I'm not too sure who the other characters are, but 
definitely if you want to get your uh, British butt kickers together, that would definitely be the way to go. I was going to say, if you, if you remember from a few issues back where I kind of did a whole uh, lineage of Union Jack and all those characters, I, I you know, you got Spitfire and uh, and a couple different people that are Union Jack characters uh, that have worn the, 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 the mask, so to speak. So I'm sure there's lots of legacy to that and, and lots of people that you could probably throw into that book. Yeah, so actually, here we go. Uh, we've got a team of superheroes from all over the UK. So you've got the Union Jack, whoever he currently is. Uh, you've got Snakes, LP, Choir, and their fearless leader, Britannia. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised. I figured we would have gotten uh, uh, the King Britain himself or... Uh, Oh my God! Why can't I not think of himself? His name? Uh, uh, uh brother. Yeah. Um. What's What's her name? <laughs> I know, right? Captain Britain. There we go. Beth. I think Brian Braddock. Oh, Brian Braddock. Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised we didn't see him in 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 some kind of new superhero guys well, there. It, it, I, I don't know. That's that is interesting. And in, in Britannia, I'm assuming is the character right there in the front of the cover. Uh, I'm surprised that that's not um, uh, the other Captain Britain, the one that took the sword instead of taking the shield. What, yeah, what did you find her? Oh my gosh, I think I just had it on the Lionheart. Lionheart, yeah. So she would have been a good addition. So maybe I, I'm completely wrong. They didn't use any of the people that I was talking about earlier, but they created new characters to be a part of this book, which, okay, sure. We're always clamoring for new characters, and if you can write them well then i'm all i'm all for it you know so this is where i'm gonna i'm gonna go on my little soapbox here i always find this tough because i love new characters don't get me wrong you know if we didn't have new characters you wouldn't have batman um but it's tough because it's like there's a whole treasure trove just like you said of characters that didn't get featured you know like what happened to Lionheart? Like, I don't even think they gave her a proper epilogue. Like, at least if they did an epilogue where they're like, look, I have a kid. I'm a mom, not a superhero. Like, this is where my duty is, is being the superhero for my child. That would totally have been great, you know, uh, just because somewhere out there, those are people's favorite characters. So I wish sometimes, like, even though I do like new characters, but I really wish they would also remember who else is in the toy chest as well. So that way they could... Don't give us a little bit more bang for the buck because, you know, if this is the group that's going to protect the UK, you've only got five people. Let's beef it up. Come on. Get us a couple more. <laughs> on that team, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, yeah, so that's definitely going to be something there. Uh, Thor issue 10 will be out. Whether or not it's related to King and Black, I don't know, but I do know it's related to Donny Cates. And <laughs> X Factor number five will be out as well. So that is what's on your spinner rack. For this December first week, that's nope. gonna hit pretty hard, actually. I mean, that's that's laying the groundwork for what King and Black and uh, Endless Winter. Man, yeah. it's gonna be a, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of stories there, story arcs. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into talking about Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man of twenty ninety nine. Um, when was the character created, Chris? All right, so this 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 definitely hits me in a uh, a soft spot. So uh, his first appearance, and this is always tough because they do have those uh, what you might call Ashcan editions or sneak previews. But his first appearance was Spider Man twenty ninety nine number one, which was released back in March of nineteen ninety two. Somewhere out there in the past, a young Chris managed to get this 
red foiled cover and he had it with him. <laughs> uh, I was, was so sad because I, I remember there was a day I had three comic books with me. Spider-Man 2099, number one. Punisher 2099, number one. And I forget what the third one was. And I had him in my backpack. And I guess I did one of those stupid kid things where you accidentally leave your backpack open. Uh-huh. And so I went to go play recess because this was elementary school days for me. When I came back, I saw my backpack was open. And sure enough, all the comics, except for Punisher 2099, were stolen from me. Aww. This person had good taste and they knew not to take Punisher 2099. But man, what's that? Was it Doom 2099? You know, maybe it was Doom 2099, but I'm not too sure. But oh, I was just, but I do know I was so heartbroken because I, you know, I had a Spider-Man number one. I had a first appearance, you know, and, and I, I, you know, uh, the comic was very over my head as a kid, I can admit. Uh, but I just loved it. I thought it was such a great design, you know, that red and blue, um, the web cape, the claws, all of it was just fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, that was the, uh, you know, back in March of 92, Spider-Man 2099, 2099, number one, the first appearance of Miguel O'Hara, the future Spider-Man. So we had a, uh, resurgence. I mean, obviously they brought the character around often throughout the, through since it's his inception, but didn't we have a resurgence of the 2099 characters last year in 2019? Yeah, definitely. I know uh, uh, Marvel did play it up because 2099. If you if you do your history, so I guess now I'm going to expose myself even more as a math guy. But 2019 to 2099, that's an 80 year stretch, and 2019 happened to also be the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics. So it was the perfect split point between Marvel Comics creation and this supposed future. So they definitely did play with the idea of having the two. Uh, ideas clash off with what could be a potential future i forget what the story arc was called um but i do remember that yeah they did play with that idea um was it was it something future or something maybe like future shock i'm not too sure okay yeah no but they definitely did play with him uh having that idea i thought it was kind of because it's always interesting when you create future stories like, like DC's easy. Oh, there we go. Time no time storm was when they played with that idea back in 2009. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later and threw it at us again. Uh, <clears throat> so get ready for when 2029 comes around. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, do you remember why it was that they created uh, the 2099 universe in 1992? Well, I I don't know their exact reasoning behind it. I just know it was kind of an idea to get new heroes. Um, definitely play with the idea of making new heroes and also expanding. Um, because Mar- uh, comics have always done a great job of that, but definitely opening it up to uh, uh, to more inclusiveness. So this was a Hispanic Irish Spider Man. And so at the time, you didn't really have too many Hispanic superheroes. So that's what made him stick out a little bit even more. And it definitely kind of gravitates towards, you know, more fans of the book. Okay, just just on a little tangent right now. Uh, and I know that he's my favorite character, but you would know better. When was Kyle Rayner created? Uh, 1994. 
So two years later, even though when they create him, they don't know that he's going to be Spanish and uh, uh, Irish combined. They created another Hispanic Irish character. Yeah, I, I did find that funny. I was thinking about that last night because uh, I finally did something that I hadn't done. I finished reading Spider-Man 2099. Uh, I had just been so soured on the fact that my issue number one got stolen. I never bothered to read them. Like the trades were out there. I probably could have went and bought it at, you know, some comic shop. Now I wouldn't because he's he's going to be famous. So those prices have gone up. Right. Uh, but read the origin and i was like oh this is cool but yeah i found it funny they're like you know because at one point they they purposely say it it's like oh that's why you're so temperamental miguel because you're you're half irish and you're half hispanic and i was laughing at that and then it made me think of kyle rayner so there we go somewhere in the multiverse uh when kyle rayner got the power of ion he left the dc universe and uh his lineage <laughs> will eventually become a spider-man of the future <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so who are the creators of Miguel O'Hara? Okay, so we have writer Peter David. Uh, he's definitely done some time as a Spider-Man fan, as an Incredible Hulk uh, creator. And then we have the artist Rick Leonardi. Um, Rick, I know I know his name, but I can't say that I am very familiar. So I guess he's done some time with Cloak and Dagger, the X, the Uncanny X-Men, New Mutants. Uh, he even jumped ship and was working on Nightwing, Batgirl, Green Lantern versus Aliens, and Superman as well. So now that I'm hearing those titles, I'm kind of kind of seeing it there. But yeah, those are the two gentlemen who uh, brainstormed and, and gave us the future Spider-Man. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, we as we we talked about Peter David earlier, and uh, you know, it seems to come around a lot in the in the stuff that we talk about. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the the biggest difference between uh, this Spider Man and our canonical six one six Spider Man? And that's that's another thing to bring up is that uh, Marvel tends to do a lot of stories that are considered the future of the Marvel universe. I mean, look at old man, Logan, uh, eventually, even though those are set in the future, we're told that they're actually set on a different earth. So, uh, as the earth that we read most of the time is earth 616. Uh, I think, um, wasn't ultimate Spider-Man or alt the ultimate X or the ultimate Marvel universe, uh, earth's, uh, one, six, one, six or something like that. Or, yeah, I think it was more they have like, some, like they they're definitely a four digit number. I don't remember what their their pattern was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they do. They wind up playing with it. And it's funny cuz speaking of Peter David, so he gives us Maestro, which is an evil future Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Peter David even wrote The Last Avengers, which was a future story that is kind of in a weird way it's kind of like Kingdom Come but for the Avengers. Oh. Uh, it's it's pretty twisted. Yeah, and like if you're a fan of Wiccan and uh, Speed, I would definitely say read that story because they technically weren't characters yet, but for sure there's some sampling of what they were going to become uh, based off of that book. So I found that interesting. So yeah, Peter David, he loves to create all these different futures, <laughs> which means he creates different worlds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you even have what... Uh, MC2, which was another uh, future spider world there as well. Uh, but going back to your original question, what is the difference between the two? I would definitely say so. Um, 
in terms of the dynamics, the comics, the costumes are very different. Um, I think what's funny about uh, Ultimates, or sorry, Spider-Man 2099 is he's actually supposed to be black and red. Uh, it's oh. one of those famous because of, like, if you draw a character in all black, you're going to get lost in the art because comics get inked in black. So they put those blue highlights. So it's kind of like when new fans are like, why does Superman have blue hair? No, it's to kind of give it shape and definition. Uh, so he was supposed to be in a black costume, but it's just, I think it's probably the fault of uh, Toy Biz when they were making the toys. They decided like, oh, hey, he's in a blue costume. So now it, it went from black to blue. Um, but the costume scheme is very different. Uh, it's all one solid color, except for the symbol in the eyes. Uh, our future Spider-Man has talons on his hands uh, and his feet. So that's why he is able to climb walls because he actually does leave behind punctures. Uh, he has fangs as well. His webbing comes from his own body. So he actually is able to exile his webbing through his forearms and he can glide a little bit due to his cape. Uh, which is that it looks like webbing, but it's actually a gift from one of the uh, or fanatics so in the future. They also have protesting as well. And one guy is out there flying around on his glider screaming Thor will return. He <laughs> 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 accidentally crashes into him and winds up getting stuck to some of the uh, hang glider material, which he later keeps for his costume because he's like, Oh, this can actually help me glide. Because at the moment, he didn't know he could shoot webs. And if I remember correctly, the symbol on uh, Miguel's suit comes from a Dias dos Muertos uh, like costume that he remembers from his childhood or ch- heritage or whatever you want to call it. Sure enough, it was because uh, that's the only thing he had that. What is it they called it? Unstable molecule fabric. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Shout out to uh, Mr. Fantastic and his uh, clothing line. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the only thing he had that he knew would be able to survive jumping and running around. And so, yeah, it was a costume he wore at a Day of the Dead prior. And so that's why he has that very skull-looking spider crest to him. So I can just imagine in this future that some fabric designer would be like, what the hell? You stole my costume. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that Peter Parker gets bit by a radiated spider, uh, it, you know, whether it's at Oscorp now or if it was at uh, Columbia University or wherever it is that current continuity says it happened at. But he got bit by a spider, gains the powers uh, proportionate to that of a spider. How does Miguel have his powers? So Miguel, uh, he's a geneticist working at a company called Alchemex. And in Alchemex, they are trying to, uh, I forget what they called it, but basically they're trying to make their own uh, espionage, uh, corporate espionage character. So somebody that can, you know, sneak into the competition and steal and whatever they need them to do. And they want to genetically imprint this person with, know superhuman strength and all these other abilities so miguel o'hara actually recalls spider-man and he's like well maybe we could you know genetically imprint those abilities on this guy and so he's real hesitant because he obviously doesn't want to test on people because they might die uh sure enough in the opening issue they do test on a convict and he winds up becoming a pile of genetic goo it's just it's very gross to read (laughs) (laughs) 
So anyways, so after that, Miguel is like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to work for this company. This is gross. It's horrible. So he winds up meeting with the boss of Alchemex. Uh, let me see if I can gleam his name real quick. Um, it's not the Kingpin like in the Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, no, it's not the Kingpin. Uh, gosh, Nuggets. Uh, Tyler Stone. There we go. Uh, and I find it funny, and I, I don't want to spoil it, but you, you did mention we were going to talk a lot of uh, futuristic stuff. So I do find it funny that I guess I could lay a, an Easter egg that won't be a spoiler, but our other future character we're going to talk about, their bad guy is also a uh, corporation. So I do find it funny that both these guys wind up fighting corporations in the future. So that really tells us where the 90s was thinking, and sadly <laughs> on the nose they are with modern day <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah. uh, Tyler Stone he doesn't want Miguel to leave so he's like hey come up to my office and let's talk Miguel does uh, Tyler offers him a glass of wine and when he drinks it discovers that he's been poisoned or not poisoned but actually drugged by this drug called rapture so it's so powerful that it actually bonds to you genetically so now at this point, Miguel is a drug addict who needs to work at Alchemex in order to get the drugs. So Miguel escapes. Uh, he manages to go through his first bender and survive it. Uh, he comes back with a relatively clear head and decides to say, well, if I use that genetic machine, I could imprint my own genetic code onto myself prior to the drugs. So that way I won't be addicted. Uh, and so when he does that, a jealous co-worker by the name of Aaron Delgado sabotages the machine and winds up saying, oh, heck with it. Since you like Spider-Man so much, puts it to 50 cent, 50% spider DNA. And so that's how Miguel winds up getting Spider-Man-esque powers, because now he is half man, half spider in his DNA code. Okay, so who are, I mean, who are some of the other characters that... uh follow a legacy in in the spider-man 2099 so they definitely played it up um they did a lot with modern characters like i think the first one he winds up meeting was the vulture so we meet full uh, vulture 2099 uh but that one was a a, a a hell of a twist um he actually is a vulture he winds up eating people uh he's a cannibal so he was a twisted dude uh, he actually does offer Spider-Man a chance to join him. He's like, hey, why don't you be part of my gang? Uh, and Miguel is just like, no, dude, I don't want to eat people. Yeah, <laughs> this sounds gross. And he just gets the heck away from it. Um, I do remember Venom 2099 being a big part of the story as well, uh, just because that was yeah, Venom was very popular in the 90s. So if Spider-Man can make it to the future, so should Venom. Uh, they definitely toyed with a... Um, Sinister Six 2099. So they had their own Venom, uh, a 2099 Doc Ock, Vulture, as I mentioned earlier, Electro, Sandwoman, and Goblin. Um, and this Goblin, uh, she actually turns out to be helping Spider-Man 2099. Um, I forget though. Okay, so her secret identity is Jennifer D'Angelo. Um, there was something about her. I just can't remember now, but I think she turned out to be related to somebody, but yeah, I'm ringing a bell in my head, but yeah. <laughs> so in that case, one of the, the future green goblin actually turns out to be very helpful. Um, 
obviously the the the, the corporation Alchemex turned out to be very evil. Um, even when they played with the idea of bringing uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine to the future, or not to the future, to our current day. Uh, which was right around the time of the superior Spider-Man when Doc Ock was riding in the body. Uh, so this was around 2014, 2015. Um, future Spider-Man wound up coming to our time and basically had to prevent Alchemix uh, from doing some crazy stuff in modern times. So they have definitely been a villainous company all the way from now till the future. Oh, okay. Um, Tech-wise, so what is it? what kind of tech do we see in this far future uh, Marvel universe? Uh, I know we already spoke about the unstable molecule fabric, um, the hydrofoil or uh, airfoil that he uses to fly. It looks like in the second volume of Spider-Man 2099, they added anti-gravity material onto his back so that he could, he could also fly that way. Yeah, yeah. So they definitely toyed with the idea. Um, so as you mentioned, the unstable molecules, that way your costume never rips and it can do all those wild things. Uh, the um, the cape was that airfoil that helped. And then eventually they kind of started toying with the idea of giving him the uh, total anti-gravity. Um, he wound up getting a second generation suit. Uh, Peter Parker, when he took over his body or when he regained his body, uh, he gave ultimate, or sorry, he gave Miguel a new suit uh, because he didn't want Miguel to quit being a superhero. So he gave him a costume all into himself. Uh, this was the one that's kind of the black, red, and white version. Oh, okay. So that one definitely has like a lot more, um, like thermo scanning, you know, uh, 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 X-ray emitting, uh, just you know, all kinds of sensory input, so that way you can detect things a lot better. Um, design just wasn't as cool. <laughs> so unfortunately that suit got ditched. Uh, he went back to his classic one, but yeah, there was definitely a lot of, it's funny because the future can never tell, but you know, he had a cell phone, which for our future is kind of laughable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was like hollow technology. So if he calls people, they pop up his little holograms for him. Um, the villains definitely, uh, or were high tech for sure, just because they would play with that. So like vulture is kind of more up Iron Man street, or I guess probably like the, the movie version uh, with that whole like armor esque look to it. Oh, okay. Um, so I know they, they, they had, um, yeah, that was another future. They visited 2211. Uh, so they even got to meet the Spider-Man of that era. Uh, that's the one where the green goblin she was the one who was responsible for taking Miguel and sending him back into the past to meet Peter. And then those two wound up going into the future future to meet the six armed Spider-Man of 2211. So that's where that story was coming from. Um, but he's definitely, he's, he's very, very smart. Uh, he's, you know, Peter struggled to get through college. Miguel luckily was kind of adopted by Alchemex. So they, 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 he raised him and they made sure he had one of the best educations out there. So, you know, you want to put this guy, he's not as brilliant as the three, but he's definitely a strong combination of Reed Richards, Peter Parker, and Tony Stark. So he's going to have a lot of abilities when it comes to tech building as well as repairing. So uh, the idea, you know, being that in the far future, you have uh, all these characters that seem familiar, but did we get, new like 
did we get new characters that were just uh new villains that were just uh Miguel O'Hara villains? Yeah, I want to say he did. Um like uh, what was it? The very first person he fought. Oh god, what did they call him? Um Let's see. He had a very specific name. Um was it like the the head of the yeah, company or public so the public eye was they were like the police kind of but they were also very like restrictive so that was a big thing there uh yeah as you were mentioning alchemex was definitely that was his and then they inserted it into modern comics to make it seem like it had always been there um so that had been one of his villains um Oh man, the gang, the gang situation was definitely, uh, one of his for sure. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember now. So it is, it is interesting that Alchemax is introduced to us through Spider-Man 2099. And then it was such a big part of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, cause honestly to me, like if we're talking about companies in the Spider-Man, you know, universe, I'd always think Oscorp or, um, Roxxon. Like I would never, I'd never come across Alchemax before because I never read Spider-Man twenty ninety nine books. Right. Yeah, it is kind of funny that they didn't play with that idea that it's like, oh, why not just have it like, why not have a future where they're like, oh, Oscorp, it's such a great organization. Who wouldn't want to work there? You know, which could be a total one eighty on the idea of Norman's legacy being something that was worthwhile. Um. I did find that interesting. Uh, I had totally forgot that Alchemex was a Spider-Man 2099 thing. Cause at first when it was reintroduced, I was like, Oh, I know I've heard that name before. And then once I made that connection, I was like, Oh, that's right. That's a Spider-Man 2099 thing. And at first I was like, Oh, that's going to be cool because that'll happen. And then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. It already did happen for the future. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, no, he's he's definitely a very cool character. I, I loved the design of him. Uh, I like the idea that, like, like Spider-Man is definitely famous for web-slinging. I would say uh, Spider-Man 2099 Miguel is famous for gliding. You know, like, he just is definitely, um, you know, he was a glider. He's He kind of had that flight ability, and especially once they finally did just say, oh, here, let's give him the anti-grav stuff. I thought that was really good. Which um, I thought bring is pretty interesting because it brings me to a piece of trivia that uh, you can find here on the Wikipedia page is that, uh, what was it, in 90... Uh, where is it? Anyways, in the late 90s, yeah, 1999, when they were, they were going to make a Spider-Man 2099 animated series, they decided to go with the Spider-Man Unlimited uh, cartoon, which I remember watching because we had just come off of the the famous Spider-Man uh, animated series in the nineties. And, you know, it was something it would, you felt like maybe they were going to continue the story, but then he goes into a alternate reality, not alternate, but like a alternate earth. Uh, and he's, he's got the uh, nanobot suit from uh, Reed Richards and it has gliding ability as opposed to just web slinging. Yeah. Well then that was such, that was kind of a bummer because I mean, while Spider-Man Unlimited wasn't a bad cartoon show, like it, it definitely, it, it went on to be the opposite of Batman Beyond, you know, where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we'll do this. Um, 
and it was a neat design, but yeah, I think they, they, they kind of robbed themselves by taking, you know, that idea and watering it down and trying to make something else. Like, God, could you imagine if they had done Spider-Man 2099 series back then? Oh, that would have been perfect. We would have had competing uh, shows of the future of those characters, which would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So you were asking about that. So I finally found some stuff. So, uh, Blitzgeist is a Spider-Man 2099 villain. So that's not a legacy. So, uh, he's a cybernetic serial killer. See, cybernetic. Uh, sure. Getting into that cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, Chernobog, <laughs> if I'm saying that right. Uh, so that's the Slavic God of mis- misfortune and chaos. <laughs> uh, Amos, uh, but that also, I guess, kind of ties into the inheritors. So that's tough because does it count or not <laughs> for uh, being a Spider-Man villain or uh, a Parker villain or not? Uh, you've got the data pirate. And again, you know, that tech base, Dr. Kronos, the robotics expert who helps him travel through back and forth through time. Um, let's see. They mentioned Fear Master. Uh, but he was also a Punisher 2099 villain, but he'd flip through there. Uh, they created Flipside. So this is a robot from the future. Um, he was created by a villain called Packrat, and he wound up taking on the identity of Spider-Man 2099. So this is kind of that bizarro look where in blue instead of red, black instead of white, and all those types of things. So they played with that idea. Um, you had Giganto. Uh, but he actually turns out to be the big villain that was on the cover of Fantastic Four number one. Oh. Uh, Halloween Jack. Uh, Jennifer Delangelo. Um, and if I remember, yeah, I, I think she should be related to the henchman who actually uh, uh, caused the uh, change that created Spider-Man 2099 as well. And I think that's about it. The rest all kind of... They're not worth mentioning, <laughs> or they're just uh, derivatives of, of other things there. Uh, this I find interesting. They actually list Rick Jones as a as a villain of uh, Spider-Man. That's kind of interesting. That is interesting. Uh, but yeah, so, but definitely they, they played a lot of uh, uh, futuristic versions of these characters um, to, to, to keep it going. Oh, here we go. Venture. That was the first villain of Spider-Man 2099. So he was a, uh, cyborg, uh, bounty hunter. And so he definitely played with the whole idea. Uh, cause his neat trick was he could check out your, a bio bio, bio temperature, uh, trail. So Miguel was worried because he had left Alchemex and went home. So, of course, this puts Venture on that same path. So Spider-Man was like, uh-oh, I need to run around. So every time he went and did something, he had to double back home and then create other fake trails. So he basically had to web all of Nouvea, York, in order to keep Venture off his trail. Yeah, all right. Interesting. So do you have uh, certain stories people should go and read or check out to learn more about Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara? Yeah, so definitely, like, I would recommend uh, the first series. It ran for 46 issues. And this is a tough one because they did do Spider-Man 2099 classic trades. But as of right now, they're unfortunately sold out. Uh, They did a first edition and a second edition, and both of them have sold out. So that's just testimonial to how powerful the character is there. Um, But I would say definitely check your back issue bins. You might get lucky finding that. 
something that's probably a little bit more affordable and in print, you could definitely check out his next two volumes. Uh, so they had a volume running in 2014 for 12 issues, which was really good. I remember reading that. Um, his third volume, which lasted 25 issues, uh, that played with an interesting idea that because he came into the modern Marvel universe, that his future was destroyed. So he had to figure out how to save what he was trying to do and also help the people in modern situations. Uh, so that definitely put him in quite the predicament. Um, I would recommend reading the uh, Superior Spider-Man just because... Um, in that one, you you get a great story in the fact that Doc Ock is now Spider-Man, but that's also why he was brought back to our modern times. So that definitely laid a lot of groundwork for volumes two and three of his current series. Um, there was a Spider-Man, and this was the one I think you were talking about recently. It was actually called 2099, The Fight for the Future. Uh, yeah, so, Fight for the Future. Yeah. So I don't know if they have all of that collected. Uh, but if they do, I would definitely say pick that up. Uh, there's, of course, the classic Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man. Uh, so that's the first time that we get those two together. And that is a one-shot comic that you can, you'll have a tough time finding, but it'll definitely be worth it. So you'll get to see uh, future Vulture and current Venom give some problems to those two gentlemen there. Now, that book came out in 1995, but Spider-Man 2099 uh, debuted in 1992 was a Spider-Man 2099 book like ongoing until 1995 or did they just three late years later be like, Hey, you know what? Let's just see what happens to these two characters get thrown together. Oh no. The, the book was actually still in publication at the time. They just, I think they decided to market it as a special that way more crossover fans would get it and then go back to the Spider-Man 2099 series instead of trying to have it bounce back and forth between one book or the other. You know how long the 2099 like uh, world continued? So in its first initial run, it it lasted till about yeah ninety six ninety seven. So it got about a good four or five year run on it. Uh, just because in its initial appearance, you got Spider Man twenty ninety nine, Doom twenty ninety nine, Ravage twenty ninety nine, which I think is like one of the last Stan Lee created characters, and um punisher 2099 then eventually kind of started watering it down it was like well let's do hulk 2099 and ghost rider 2099 so it was just kind of like well while these are exciting you know we we kind of want to see new futuristic different stuff um so it kind of it played itself out but it was definitely fun uh, but you can clearly see i think the the biggest winners were definitely spider-man and punisher of the 2099 verse so let me <laughs> keep throwing stuff at you. Um, <laughs> if that ended in 1997, when did uh, MC2 come out? And did it last oh, long? Boy. So MC2, I want to say that era starts... That was kind of a spinoff of the uh, Clone Saga. Correct. So I would say you're looking at... They might have had maybe a one or two year overlap with those two potential futures. Um, I would say definitely 2099 did better than MC2 did uh, just because the MC2 as a whole kind of collapsed. Like we only got a next and J2 for like 12 issues um, while Spider-Man 2099 and most of the other characters went on to the forties. Uh, the only big save from MC2 would definitely be Spider-Girl herself. 
Uh, and then even then those books were getting canceled. Most of the time it would go to like kind of a grassroots campaign with Tom Beverut asking fans to like write in and be like, Hey, save the book, save the book. So I would definitely say out of the two experiments, I think 2099 did a little bit better, but MC two gets played a little bit more just because that's the actual daughter of Spider-Man, which to me, uh, and I'm, I could be completely off both, uh, in prints, I guess, if that's what you want to call them, uh, lead you to Ultimate Marvel. So, uh, which we know lasted for quite a while. I think Ultimate Marvel almost got at least a solid decade. Oh, I, I figure, yeah, it'd have to be at least a, a decade, if not more. Yeah. Um, but I do find it funny. It is kind of funny that these, uh, they kind of, it, it only seems to be the spider people that survive. <laughs> <laughs> because if oh, you think about cool. it, MC2 gives us May Mayday, uh uh-huh. twenty nine gives us Miguel, and then Ultimate gives us uh Miles. They're all M people. <laughs> Look at that. Um uh as you said earlier, I don't know if we said it on the recording or not, but twenty uh, Marvel twenty ninety nine is Earth two nine eight or two nine two eight, whereas MC two is uh Earth nine eight two, which Obviously, that makes sense with the 928 for 2099 because it's uh, came out in 1992 and MC2 came out in 1998. So that was uh, 982. Nice. That's a neat little. I didn't catch that. I like that. I don't know what the eight stood for in 2099, though. Probably was like August, maybe. I don't know if that if that, if that correlates. <laughs> That's a possibility. But even then, who knows what these, like when they create these ideas, like, did they actually, were they that intricate when they planned it? Or was it just like somebody now is just like, oh God, I need numbers. I got to do the official (laughs) Marvel handbook. (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly how that went. (laughs) All right, Chris, I don't have any specific stories that I really enjoy about Miguel O'Hara, but do you have one? So I guess for me, the biggest thing, um, and again, it's it was cheesy at the time, but it was perfect because I was right at that age and it was so exciting. I remember the in-house ads, but I loved Spider-Man 2099 meets Spider-Man. I just thought it was great. Um, you know, it, it had that that right vibe to it, that right feeling. Uh, you had Peter David, who's done such great works with both spiders. Uh, Rick Leonardi stayed on for the art chores, so it stayed consistent with the book. And it was just a fun pick it up and read it adventure. Um, I thought it was great. Like to, to share the excitement. I know you kind of were into that one. Like when Spider-Man happened, you know, when Peter and Morales met, it's just that big moment where you're like, this is so cool. Uh, so that is definitely, I'd have to say that's probably like my favorite, uh, spider 2099 story. Cool. All right. If you have any more information on Spider-Man 2099 that you'd love to tell us that you feel like we missed, Please reach out to us. Find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M-G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Uh, Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, you can definitely find me on Twitter as well. My handle is stuff I should say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. And then, of course, check out geekelitemedia.com and AIPTcomics.com for all my comic book writings. Uh, if you'd like to speak to anybody else at Geekly Media, it's at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geeklymedia.com. 
please check out our Patreon, where you can get all kinds of bonus material that you can't get unless you're a patron, uh, including Reimagine If, which is the continuation conversation of this show. It's great time, and uh, all in, all, it's there for all to enjoy, if you pay. <laughs> uh, if you are listening to us on a podcatcher, please rate and review us so it helps spread the word of our network. Uh, it, every every little bit helps, and that's a way that you can help uh, contribute without having to spend any money. So we greatly appreciate it. But uh, until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast.